Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Wednesday, September 14th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. I want to share a story with you that's very personal. It happened to me yesterday, but it started on 9-11 in 2001 when the towers were attacked. We all know where we were on that date. We all know exactly where we were the moment we got the news. But I need to share with you something very specific that happened to me that day that happened to me again yesterday. On 9-11, I was working as in-house counsel for an expert witness who had a business of testifying in high fall and electrocution cases. I was working out of his home office where he had his business set up. There were several employees that were employed in the company. And my office was on the first floor of his home, as was his office, and the other employees were on the second floor, and then his living quarters were elsewhere, like in another wing of the house. But there was a television outside of his office in a living area, living space, and I happened to be walking past that television when the first plane hit the towers and that story broke. And so I sort of shouted to everyone and everyone came out and we watched it for a little bit. And then the second plane hit and it was very unnerving. Obviously, there really aren't words to describe what those feelings were that day. But up to that point, I wasn't particularly moved in terms of deep concern or fear even. But when they broke the information that a plane had gone down in Schwanksville, Pennsylvania, something happened inside of my brain and the connection that I made caused me to instantly think and say out loud, we're under attack. And in that moment, I called my ex-husband and I said, I'm heading off to pick up our daughter. Our daughter was in private school about 30 minutes from where my workplace was. And I got in the car and I drove immediately and I picked up our daughter who was in fifth grade at the time. Actually, no, I'm wrong. She was in third grade at the time. And it was startling to her for me to pick her up. So I sat her down on the curb outside of the front entrance of school. And I tried to explain to her an age-appropriate language and age-appropriate concepts that sometimes things happen in the world that sort of cause us to be anxious or uncertain about the future. And I gave her the positive message and what we had to do to sort of stay strong and stay focused in the current moment. I never forgot that moment when they said that a plane had gone down in Schwanksville because when the first two planes hit the towers, there was still something within me that was rationalizing it away as perhaps a air traffic control mistake, an error, a terrible accident as the result of negligence, whatever. But when they said the third plane had gone down, or a plane had gone down in Schwanksville, there was no way to bring that into the picture. And it was too coincidental. And so my reaction was a gut reaction, an intuitive reaction that we were under attack. 
And of course, in hindsight, which is 2020, that's exactly what we were. Here's why I tell you the story, because here's what happened to me yesterday. And before I tell you, let me say that I never intended today to come on this podcast and share what I'm about to share with you, because in many ways, it makes me vulnerable. It makes me, it really puts me out there in a way that perhaps jeopardizes my own well-being. But as I often say, there are moments and times in life when going that extra mile, taking that risk, being vulnerable is worth it. And I think that truth is always worth it. So here I go. Yesterday, late in the day, I heard a news report that the FBI had surrounded Mike Lindell, the founder of MyPillow, the company MyPillow, you know, pillows, bed linens, slippers, whatever. Obviously a strong supporter, if you know the name and you know him and his politics, a strong supporter of President Trump, a strong believer in the fact that there were improprieties in the 2020 election. The FBI surrounded him, kind of guns a-blazing, surrounded his vehicle, I believe. He was at a Hardee's coming back from a hunting trip. They blocked in his vehicle. They got out with a warrant and they told him that they were seizing his cell phone. When I heard that, my first reaction was, we're under attack. It was the identical feeling and the identical process within my own intuition and my own capacity to string things together that happened on 9-11. It was identical, which is why I connect these two, because for me, the feeling on 9-11 when the plane went down in Schwenksville was visceral, and I never forgot it, and I never felt it again until yesterday. So why do I say that that's what happened, or not? Why do I say it? Why do I think it's so important? You know, the FBI has had about 40 other warrants and seized either individuals or their cell phones from people connected to Donald Trump and who may or may not have had information about January 6th. I knew about those other seizures. I had heard about them. I had heard about those individuals. But there was something different about yesterday. There was something different about Mike Lindell coming back from a hunting trip, stopping at a Hardee's, and being surrounded by FBI agents who seize his phone. As an attorney, without going into all of the legality of what's being done by the federal prosecutor in Washington, D.C., in going after all of these people, without getting into the legality and the constitutionality of all of that, because I think it's all subject to challenge, I think it's all in violation of the Constitution, but again, that's not the avenue I want to go down here. Where I want to go with this is my concern about the overreach of the FBI. Then today, while all of this was sort of percolating in my mind, John Durham, who has been pursuing his own investigation, released what's being called a bombshell. And the bombshell is that the FBI used the Steele dossier knowing that it was false information. The Mueller report later verified that, in fact, it was false information, that everything they had accused Trump of was false. But beyond that, the FBI had used the Steele dossier knowing it was false, the content of it was false. Then they fired Christopher Steele, 
the MI6, the former MI6 agent who had gathered that information. And then after they fired Steele, they hired his primary source, a man named, I think it's Victor Dechenko. They hired his primary source of the false information and they paid Danchenko as a confidential human source to obtain information about Trump. Even though they knew he was a liar from previous lies he had told the FBI, and they also knew that he was connected to the KGB. That's who the FBI hired to get information on Donald Trump. Now, this is the same FBI that has gone after 40 individuals connected to Trump and that seized Mike Lindell's phone. There's something very wrong with the FBI. And as an attorney, it's so distressing to me because my feeling has always been in this country that when something happens and the heavy hand of government comes down upon you, you hire a lawyer, you put the facts before a court in a court of law, and truth comes out nine times out of 10, if not 9.5 times out of 10, and the wrong is made right. But now the institutions that we trusted to gather information and to be alert to subversion in this country and to domestic crime is now committing its own. So what do we do? Because yes, there's an important part of this story, which is everything I just laid out. But the other piece of this story is, okay, Carol, great. That's really bad news. And I get the connection. But what do I do? What do I do as an individual? Well, we're all concerned about what we do. We're all concerned about financial security in light of this insane economy and runaway inflation and illegal immigration and COVID lockdowns and who knows what's coming next with mandatory vaccinations and boosters and more lockdowns and monkeypox and who knows, right? So we're all concerned. We have plenty to think about. And you might say to me, oh, now I'm supposed to think about what I do about the FBI? I mean, come on. There's only so much a person can do. It gets to you, right? It's gotten to most of us. Well, let me now shift from the lawyer in me and the me that looks at all this news and tries to analyze it and bring it to you in a way that has some cohesive meaning. Let me now shift to the more spiritual, metaphysical, intuitive me that wants to give you the answer to what do you do. It is often said that children, before they become sort of subject to, let's call it a conceptual prison, meaning before they take on the world and reality as adults see it and as they're taught to see it and as they are demanded to see it and conform to society, and other people's versions and visions of what reality looks like before that happens to a child, that when we're first born and young enough, we still retain the ability to enter what I guess we could call the consciousness of eternal being. We're still young enough to only be in the moment, to not have the burden of the past or the worry of the future obstruct our ability or interfere with our ability to connect to basically the wisdom of all that is because we're living in the moment. 
I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What do children do? Well, children live in the present moment. If you watch children, children don't think about the past and worry about the future. They're too busy living life in the moment. They're too busy dealing with only what's in front of them with a passion and a joy and a ferocity that is unequaled. It's why we get such a thrill sometimes watching children play. They live in the present moment. They are free of that conceptual prison I talked about a moment ago, which again is a reference to how other people see the world. And that once you internalize it, before it takes hold in your mind, you're able to speed up or slow down time. Because time doesn't exist in that eternal moment. Time is a man-made construct Time exists to measure distance. It was created to measure the distance between point A and point B, between past what was and future to where you're going. Time has no meaning in the instant moment, none. And because it has no, not only meaning, but has no presence in the instant moment, you can, in essence, speed it up or slow it down because you have total control of what's in front of you in the present moment because you have tapped in, in essence, to the eternal, where all creativity, where all creation comes from. I feel, you can probably hear it in my voice, I feel really passionate and excited about what I'm sharing with you on this podcast because I think it's positively revelatory. What happens once you are aware of the eternal or the eternity in each moment, in each present moment? What happens? Well, here's what happens. Your ability to access, I guess we'll call it involuntary data analysis systems. Bear with me here. Involuntary data analysis systems. Your ability to access those provides you with an infinite number of infallible, let's call them reports, like you would get a report of data, right, of a compilation of data. It gives you the ability in the instant moment to access what I guess we'll call eternal knowledge, eternal knowing, eternal wisdom. And in that access, you can pull down, because remember, you've slowed down time. It doesn't exist where you are in the present moment. Everything is possible. Anything is possible. Miracles are possible. It lets you pull down a report or multiple reports that will maybe even many of them, thousands of them per second, so that you have plenty of time to correctly assess all of the possibilities of dealing with what's in front of you in the present moment. If you want a real example of this, watch the movie, The Matrix. Watch what happens when the bullets are flying at Keanu Reeves, who's playing the one. Watch what happens as he assesses the bullets coming at him out of the guns of the bad guys and how he is able to move between the bullets as they are whizzing at him. He's able to not participate 
in the conceptual prison of those who are projecting onto him, he's able to be so present in the moment that he can alter what's happening in time because he's not in time. He's not bound by time. He's in the present moment. Why is this important? Well, it's important because once you learn to focus not on the past and not on the future, but only on the present moment, you can focus all of your internal intuitive faculties in the direction they need to be focused, which is they become the direct link to your higher self. They become the direct link to all that is, to all that is available to know. And in that link, in that connection, it tells you the optimum behavior pattern that's available to you in each and every circumstance. However, however, those intuitive sources that are internal to you and available to you can not help you in the future. They cannot help you in the past, but they are priceless to you in the present moment the moment in which you can access eternity, eternal wisdom, eternal knowledge, eternal eternal knowing, which is outside of time. So there's the message and there's the why of the message. Be as children. Jesus didn't mean be infantile. He didn't mean play as children. He didn't mean be naive as children. He meant be free of the past and the future. Be in the present moment only and access your connection to the multitude of involuntary data analysis systems which provide you with these infallible reports many thousands of times per second so that you have plenty of time to correctly assess all of your options in the present moment of whatever circumstances before you. Some of what I am sharing with you in this episode in terms of how we deal with what's happening around us now, because now it's like all the bullets are flying at us as they flew at Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. That's what it feels like every day, right? Every morning we get up and we say, what now? What today? One more stone on the pile that I'm carrying that's breaking my back. Some of what I've shared with you in terms of this access to eternal data and how you get there is actually from a book called The Starseed Transmissions by Ken Carey, which is not a new book. It's an old book. It was probably first published, I don't know, in the 70s, I'm guessing. And I tried to summarize and make it relevant to what's happening now because that's the connection I made personally with what Jesus said, with what has come through in the Starseed Transmissions, in the book, with what Ken Carey shared, but also... In dealing with the way I reacted to the Mike Lindell seizure of his phone yesterday, which is, okay, so what do we do? We're just individual citizens, and it seems like the system is out of control, and it seems like the powers that be are overwhelming us, and what is any one individual going to do? Well, be like Keanu Reeves in the matrix. And again, if you haven't seen it, watch the movie because be like him in that scene, stay in the present moment of your life. Let go of the past, let go of the future. It will be here soon enough and you'll have to deal with it when it gets here, but you don't have to deal with it in the present moment. All you have to do in the present moment 
is be there in that moment. Baba Ramdas had a book called Be Here Now. And in essence, that was the message of the entire book. He was a former professor at Harvard University who gave up his American, English, whatever, Western name, his given name, and went to the Himalayas and studied with gurus and came back as Baba Ram Das and came back a very wise man. Be Here Now was, in essence, all about the present moment, the power of the present moment. Each one of us has power. Beside voting power as citizens of the United States, which is something we all need to do in November in the midterms, which is go out and vote, exercise your freedom and your ability to vote because in so many places of the world, it still doesn't exist. But beyond that, we have much more power than our vote, than our citizenship. We have the power of our humanship. We have the power of our humanity. We have the power of our consciousness. We have a power that is greater than the human mind. We have the power of our higher selves, which is beyond the body, beyond the human brain. It is access to the collective mind of all creation. But you can only plug in that connector in the present moment because creation only happens in the now. It happens over and over and over again in the now. So if you want to access it, be in the now, be in the present, be as the children. And I believe with that approach, we can prevail over all the chaos over all the manipulation, and over all the fear. I'll be back here again, perhaps before the week's out, but today was my second podcast this week, so I'm not sure. But I'll be back, you know when? When I have something meaningful and important to share with you because your time is valuable enough that I owe you that. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again. Until then, by all means, think in the moment for yourself. her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.